Welcome to our Future Impact podcasts, hosted by Bristol Business School and Bristol Law School at UE Bristol. During the series, we aim to bring you cutting edge research and talk to academics and practitioners about the real issues and future opportunities for businesses today. We'd love to hear what you think of the series and for you to comment on what we discuss. You can do that through our social media channels or by emailing fbl.news at uwe.ac.uk. I'm speaking today with Drs. Marwish Khan and Chloe Terabin about their recent report written with Jenna Pandeli on the invisible labour of new mothers on maternity leave in the global pandemic. Our conversation will cover their motivation for the research, suggested policy changes based on the findings, and how companies can better support working mothers. Their report is out now and available to view on the UE Bristol website. I wanted to begin by thanking both of you for taking the time to join me on this podcast to talk about the report. Marwish, do you mind kicking us off by introducing yourself and a little on your research background? My name is Dr. Marwish Khan and I'm an Associate Director of Organisation Studies Cluster at UWE. My research interests broadly are around gender and employment, so particularly around women's experiences in female-dominated occupations and professions and assessing the quality of employment in terms of working hours, work-life balance, professional development and career progression of women. Recently, I've also started to look into student parents' experiences as well to give student parents some voice in higher education and to see what sort of support is available in universities for such students and what policies we can develop to improve their learning journeys. I'm Dr Chloe Terabane, a senior lecturer in organisation studies. I suppose if I was going to kind of pigeonhole myself, I would say I'm in the critical management studies strand of research. My early research took an interest in temporary forms of employment and migrant workers. So for my PhD, I did an ethnography of migrant agency workers in the hospitality industry. And I actually went to go and work as an agency worker and collected their rich everyday and mundane experiences. To my data, I take quite a critical lens and I'm very interested in the concepts around identities and using this kind of a way to explore issues around power, control and resistance. So I suppose this kind of more recent move into gender studies and this interest around gender and motherhood sort of has that integral theme of identity that runs through it. And that's what's connected quite diverse bits of research. Chloe, you've kind of touched uh, a little bit about um, what led you to researching um, maternity during the pandemic. Marwish, what was the kind of specific pull for you? I think it was very similar for all three of us because all three of us, Jenna, Chloe and myself, took maternity leave during COVID and during the pandemic. You know, we, we have all experienced those challenges and problems and issues and we discussed them among ourselves and that we really wondered at that time, so what were other women's experiences during a pandemic on which were on maternity leave, how they have coped with that. So this research really gives women that sort of voice, which was, I think, lacking during that time. Are you able to talk us through the research project and the challenges you faced? For us, it was, as Marwish just mentioned, it was really, really important to give mums that had experienced maternity and childbirth through COVID voice. We felt that we were silenced and ignored throughout the pandemic and we were interested to understand the experiences of other women. 
So in terms of formulating the research project, it was quite logical that this was going to be qualitative research, that we were going to gather the voices of women. We found participants and did semi-structured interviews. And we also collected our own experiences through our autoethnographic accounts, which is basically just reflections on our own experiences of maternity during that period. As Marwish mentioned, we'd all been on off on mat leave during the pandemic and lockdown, and therefore it was quite personal to us. So getting started and being motivated on this project was quite easy. I think we were all pretty passionate. And in, in terms of kind of conceptually locating the research, I think that it was quite obvious to us as well. We've all shared experiences. So when we came back from maternity, we're in agreement that actually coming back from work was often easier than being off on maternity particularly during the pandemic. And I actually remember joking with our colleague, Jenna, who worked on the project with us, that coming back to work for maternity felt like a bit of a holiday. So for us, like invisible work and mental load was just such a logical place to tack our research. And then finding the participants was really easy as well. I think that probably Mara Wish would agree with me that women were quite eager to talk and share their experiences. Once you started talking, it was like a floodgate. And I suppose that was a sign of the times that we'd all been silenced and locked up and not been able to kind of talk about our experiences. So we were able to collect data relatively easily but also presented a challenge because once we had our data, we had like, I think it was over 500 pages of interview yes. transcripts. Yeah, um, we've managed to condense some of the key themes down into kind of a nice, neat 18 or 20 page report and reduce it down into themes. And that's really difficult because you're trying to maintain the detail, the nuance and the integrity of the data, but also want to present it in a way that's going to be easy to access. I think one of the big challenges was reading the data but also the kind of the the emotions that came with that you know lots of women expressed things that while they were quite validating for us because lots of women felt like this and and it's a validating experience it was also kind of like difficult reading the data and and in some ways it sounds dramatic but re-traumatizing to an extent to learn in some ways your own really hard maybe your horror story isn't an anomaly but it's kind of the norm definitely i would agree with chloe the realization that everyone was going through that that was the i think key thing which is still with me that we had very similar experiences we have seen quite similar challenges but everyone felt so lonely at that time going through that again that was challenging for us were you surprised by any of the key findings that emerged from your interviews and your research more generally? The findings are very similar to the literature on women returning after mat leave uh, pre-COVID. However, the COVID has amplified everything and it was more sort of everything is done in isolation and loneliness. So that was the big theme in, in our data. In any way, this mat leave and returning from mat leave is quite challenging time for women. But definitely during pandemic, that has raised quite a lot of extra work, invisible labor for women. And we have looked into this invisible labor from physical perspective. So the extra physical work they have to do because they don't have any support, less family interacting with them or friends. Then definitely emotional strain in terms of th there's another thing to worry about during that time for yourself and for your babies. And that was interesting to find that everyone had sort of similar experience around that so that COVID definitely has added 
emotions and added extra pressure or stress or anxiety for women and then definitely mental load how that has increased and how women have faced the first physically less support even if there is support that they had that sort of responsibility of arranging everything doing everything planning and even then if someone else is doing feeling guilty about that but definitely pandemic has amplified all the challenges we normally face during that phase of life in some ways covid is therefore kind of a quite a useful time frame to kind of analyze maternity leave because it does make those issues more salient it gives people like a language to talk about them as well and a way to access the pre-existing issues around maternities you've mentioned invisible work and mental load would it be possible to give a brief definition of those terms invisible labor would include anything which is not seen which is intangible not very explicit small things which add in your life which nobody realized that mothers would have to think about or do these additional activities so all these aspects mental load is around all the planning which goes in the head before anything happens all the activities how they are going to you know be planned who would be responsible for that a simple task of shopping and making the shopping list uh, even if somebody is helping and going to do the shopping for them they would have to provide that list so that's a small mm. example of that mental load that they have to plan for everything even some even if they have some sort of support around them when you're doing physical work you know there's a space and a place for it whereas the mental load is pervasive it it can you can do it in bed you're sitting there planning things thinking about things that you need to do in order to kind of make everyone in the household's life a little bit easier like last night when i was in bed i was thinking oh i need to pick out my daughter's clothes that she's grown out of and stick him in a charity bag and take him to the charity shop so after i'd got into bed i was doing a bit of my my so it's, my it's hidden labor it's very much yeah it's very much hidden because apparently you are watching telly or you're doing something you're walking or doing something else but your thinking process and your mind is somewhere else yeah. so yeah it's quite a good example how did conducting this research and listening to these stories impact you personally as mothers I think after listening to the stories of other mums and how that connected with my own story and our own stories the first thing I want to say is that mums are in some way superhuman that motherhood is this very taken for granted role in society and we often don't give ourselves enough credit for the incredible amount of work that we do that is often hidden is often underappreciated that would be one thing i would say a theme that came through our data was this idea that motherhood is this kind of pure untainted thing and that we all have to be really perfect and i think we hold ourselves up to such high standards i think since doing the research i am definitely making a concerted attempt to not be as self-critical also to be less judgmental of other mums and be you know more mindful in the sort of things that i put out there about mums and motherhood and i suppose finally personally sadly I think that doing the research has also made me feel a little bit more vulnerable as a mum. I think through our research we uncovered loads of kind of gender disparities in institutions mm -hmm. particularly in women in the healthcare sector the ways that women are often gaslit 
the ways that women are ignored, their feelings are not, you know, validated, even their physical pain is, is ignored. And I think for me, it's also made me feel a little bit more vulnerable and a, a bit wary when I'm in those those settings as a, as a mum and as a woman. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. But on a positive note, I think it has given us strength and some confidence as well mm. that we are not alone and there's a whole community out there struggling yeah. and having the same challenges. And I think it's a good point to now talk about these, give them some voice and, you know, think about what little or big changes we can do to improve women's experiences in public and private spaces. Speaking about change, I wanted to pull out a specific line that I think addresses where the focus of change should be. Much of the work needed to improve the experiences of maternity leave should not fall at the feet of mothers themselves, but should instead be taken on by organisations, charities and governments. Would you mind talking a little bit about where you think organisations should start to better reflect the needs of working mothers before, during and after maternity leave? I think a lot needs to be done around women, not change particularly for mothers or uh, women themselves, but all the structures and cultures around them needs to shift in order to bring uh, that sort of change. So our research showed that there's an immense pressure on women when they come back to work to be themselves again so the same ideal worker they are the same when they they went on maternity leave and when they're coming back they're the same person so and they would be the same ideal worker which I think is very unrealistic because what usually organizations and particularly line managers ignore or don't realize that the whole world has changed from their physical routines to their priorities in life in terms of their confidence and personality. There has a lot of change gone in those few months which they need to acknowledge first of all and then make some room for them to adjust in that new life. There could be small changes like supporting their mental health during that time, considering their well-being during that time. And when they're reintroducing parents back into work, everyone is different. There needs to be some individual tailoring in terms of when they're coming back and what they can do. So somebody would have more confidence, for example, after that period of time in life, but others might feel less confidence. So don't treat them in the same way, but have more individual tailored plan in terms of returning to work and what they would like to do. So again, listen to them, listen to the new mothers and then give some support in terms of that. The other thing I think is flexibility because everything changes and now they have responsibilities around childcare, so drop-offs, pickups, managing nurseries, childminders or family support. So that's a big change for those parents as well. So some support in terms of understanding their situation and giving them some flexibility to accommodate their new responsibilities in life as well. So I think that's another aspect organization can look into. And finally, I think very small thing is considering the language they are using. Mm. So in our research, we have found out that it applies before going on maternity leave, during the maternity leave, and when they come after maternity leave as well. So be mindful of what language they are using. For example, participants had shared that people have said, oh, this is a really good time to take leave. Or did you had a good leave? <laughs> or did mm. you enjoy your holiday? It's very small comments or seemingly um, harmless comments, but it undermines the whole challenge, the trauma, the experience women have faced during that time. So really what language they're using, 
that's really important. And just a few words could be really powerful mm -hmm. for that woman uh, and ha can have a major impact on them. So really, this is a small thing that you watch your language, what you are using and what you are saying. So I think these are the things which organizations can really do to support and build that sort of community or the environment or culture where women feel very supportive and, you know, comfortable coming back to work. Chloe, are there any examples or models that you've seen of organisations that are getting it a little bit more right when it comes to supporting working mothers? But I, I would say that there are quite a few charities and charitable organisations that are really trying to push the interests of working mothers. So there's charities like Pregnant Than Screwed that are really, really visible. And I think that is really nice, not only in the sense that they lobby government, they put on lots of different campaigns and they publicise kind of important research, but also that when it's visible, other women can see that their challenges are shared and they're cared about. So I think they're kind of a really good organisation. Handers is a is a charity that is a really good organisation for women that might have suffered with prenatal, postnatal or traumatic births. They actually have a HR toolkit on their website. And I think this is kind of a really important step because it is just putting the onus back on employers and organisations rather than constantly making women seek out support for themselves and kind of navigate their own ways through this. I just wanted to also mention Memfluencers. Um, so I know that they're not a kind of an organisation in themselves, but I think that they do offer a lot for mems and for working mems, particularly in terms of validating women's experiences, that when you've got a meme on your feed that sums up how stressful working life can be as a mem, it's a super, super validating thing because you're thinking, I'm not the only one that's finding this hard. There are other women out there. We talk a lot in the research about, you know, the loss of the community. And influencers are in a way building that virtual community. They're a way that women are being able to connect with each other, share experiences. I think they're kind of important in terms of supporting MEMS and working MEMS. You also had in your report a message for mothers. Could you talk a little bit about the recommendation that you had for them? I think, as we said, it's more about the structures and cultures around them, but we did put one recommendation for mothers as well. So our research has shown that women put immense pressure on themselves, which stems from societal pressure and the expectation of being that perfect mother as well. But this leads to low self-esteem, low confidence in our parenting choices as well. So we want really the mothers to be confident and more comfortable with the decisions they have made and the choices they have made. It could be small things like what activities you want to do with your children. What is your approach towards toys, screen time, um, sleeping pattern, what you are going to feed your children. So make a decision and be confident around that. Don't feel the need to conform or feel that you have to, to be that perfect mother which society dictates you to be. So if you're confident that that's the right decision for you and your child, be comfortable with that and don't question it then. And similarly, if other mothers have different choices or taken different decisions around their own children, support them. It's fine to be different. It's fine to have different comfort levels and different choices and decisions, but support each other. And if you see someone doing something differently, don't see it as you are not doing that part and don't see that as an attack on you. So I think that's the 
the message to mothers that be confident in their choices, try to support each other so we can build that community, which, which is required basically to cope with that experiences during maternity and pregnancy, basically, and find joy with each other. And don't feel that sort of pressure that we always have to do more or to improve ourselves, or we are not doing something we should be doing. So stop questioning yourself and start supporting others with their choices as well. So that's the message I think we want. And this will create a good community where we are supportive and inclusive. Perfect. Thank you very much, Marwish. I think that's it's a really nice message for, for kind of mothers to take away. And I've got one last question to ask you both. We'll start with you, Chloe. If you could leave the listeners with one key takeaway or message from your research, what would it be? Yeah, there's loads of things I'd like to say, but I suppose it would be that maternity is not a holiday. It's labour fully <laughs> sweated and it doesn't make a woman any less nurturing or a bad mum if they find it hard. And that organisations and people alike need to recognise this, that, you know, it is difficult. It comes with challenges and therefore we need to recognise those challenges and change our practices or our language or whatever it might be in order to make things easier for everyone. I think we need a shift in the culture and the perception that women as ideal workers and women as ideal mothers, the expectation from both sides are quite high and sometimes conflicting and contradicting as well. And, and if we shift this culture of guilt and shame and expectation, then this would really impact the invisible labor uh, we have to go through during uh, that time. And it would help in creating that inclusive and non-judgmental community, whether it's within the workplaces or outside the workplaces. But I think if we just be less critical of each other um, and don't question our own choices as well, that, that would help in terms of reducing that invisible labor to quite a lot of extent. Perfect. Thank you very much. I want to thank both of you again for sharing your important research on the podcast today. And for the listener, along with Dr. Pandeli, their work has highlighted crucial areas for improving support of working mothers. Uh, listeners can access their full report on the UE website or using the link below, which also has resources for those impacted by these issues. Thank you both for joining me today. Thanks Goodbye. for having thank us. You. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to be part of a future impact podcast or would like to comment on anything we've discussed, please do email us at fbl.news at uwe.ac.uk or search Bristol Business School or Bristol Law School on Twitter.